I'm Lauren. Hello, I'm Sarah. And welcome to Montalino Mama. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Multilingual Mamas. Today, we have a very special guest, Susanna Fagel-Lamentic. She is a French professor at the University of Illinois in Urbana-Champaign, and she is an expert on multilingualism. And today, she's going to tell us a little bit about herself and a little bit about her, how her research influenced her decisions of speaking multiple languages with her children. Welcome. Oh, thank you very much, Sarah and Lauren. I'm delighted to be here, and indeed, I, I am multilingual, born and raised, so to speak, in the community where I grew up in Hungary, so that is my native language, and then I learned um, German in the community where I grew up. I grew up in a bilingual Hungarian-German village, and also in school. Then I started study study French, and I chose it as one of my majors in college in Hungary, uh, together with Russian that was mandatory at that time in, um, in my country. So um, before I learned English, I spoke multiple languages, but then I met my husband who wanted to come to live in the United States. My husband is French. And so I started learning English. We moved here 25 years ago and we started a family. So being a linguist, um, in my background, as you mentioned, I work on sounds in speech. So I'm a phonetician and a sociolinguist of the French language, different dialects. Well, uh, upon arrival in the United States, we had to decide what we are going to do with our multiple languages, right? So my native language is Hungarian, born and raised. Um, native language of my, of my husband is French, born and raised. And we are first generation immigrants in the United States, both working in the country and wanting to stay here. So English has also become part of our daily lives. So how are we going to negotiate these three languages? So um, I, I'm sure I can tell more about the story later as it unfolds, I'd let you ask the questions. But basically at one point we had to figure out a way to go with all keeping, because we wanted to keep all these three languages in the family. So you mentioned that you have uh, two children, is that correct? So two boys, is that right? Right. So um, the firstborn is 21, and he is currently a senior um, studying in Chicago. And the second one is 16 and a half, and he is a junior in a local high school where we live. Um, and so you mentioned that you also speak German, but you decided not to pass that language on to your children? No, because uh, German and Russian are truly second languages to us, and we do not have a family heritage. So we just decided to stick with our native languages. There are only two plus the community language, so that's three, and that already seems quite a lot. Yeah, seems like enough. <laughs> Um, so now we were wondering if you could talk a little bit about your research more specifically and how, if at all, that has affected your decisions surrounding the language practices of your family. I work on minority languages, uh, less they're spoken dialects and, and official languages. And I am not certain that this is what influenced 
my decision to keep our languages spoken in the home. Although maybe in, in a way in which I myself grew up speaking a very small language that not spoken by many people in Europe. And I have learned at home the values of, of, um, of maintaining contact with members of my community and wanting my children to be able to maintain that type of contact with members of, <laughs> of my native community. That's interesting. Can you describe what your family language practices are? Do you speak only Hungarian and your husband only French? Uh, how do you work that out in public? Yeah, that is, I think this is the most important part because there is actually a beginning <laughs> to this when we first decided to try. And um, so I, I talked to my husband and I had to convince him that it is possible to actually practice um, at least two languages in the family to start with when the children were little. So this was our way of working it out. So we decided that we would start with French and Hungarian, me only speaking Hungarian to the child and my husband only speaking French to our child, our firstborn. And I was fortunate enough to be able to stay at home for uh, 11 months. I had a rollback and um, delayed my course teaching uh, to some extent, as much as I could. And I was at home a lot, giving a lot of input in Hungarian, frequently and consistently. So these are the two, like, very, very often, and me always in Hungarian. My husband was doing the same thing, except that he is less talkative. As you can see, I can talk easily. <laughs> but uh, what we did is we brought in a lot of videos. And back then we had these video cassettes and all that, and the radio. So we kind of surrounded ourselves and our child with a lot of French to compensate a little bit for a lot of Hungarian. So our firstborn grew up first 11 months only hearing the two languages. Um, first, it was very bizarre because you imagine um, this, this newborn and toddler who's kind of not answering, right? So you have to keep talking <laughs> and keep talking and reading and pointing. And little by little, the words started coming in, just like the linguists say. So I started hearing things like auto, which is car. And then I celebrated when for first time, the very first sentence of my firstborn was Pirosh auto, which is a red car. So he used the Hungarian word order, like with the Pirosh, the red before the car. And in French, it's exactly the other way around. So he started using that word order in French. My husband corrected him. And then he learned that in French, it was voiture rouge. Right, so uh, car red, and it took him one instance. So we played that game throughout the year, and then uh, he was born in September. So we found a nanny outside of the house who was, however, only speaking English to him. He was two and a half when he knew that this is mama's language, this is daddy's language, and that is Lisa's language. He did not know the names of the languages, but he knew 
you know, what parameters, <laughs> what peculiar features are associated with the way he has to speak to different kinds of individuals. Just, I'm just interested because in a trilingual family, it's a little bit different. How did you and your husband speak to each other? Very relevant question. We <laughs> only speak French to each other. Okay. And that is a, probably one of the most important questions that you could have asked because um, during uh, the first four years and four months until the birth of our second son, our son has not heard English in our house, only French and Hungarian. Mm -hmm. And it made a big difference when the second was born. So you, you mentioned videos like cassettes at some point that you use uh, to hopefully get that input in or like immerse yourselves in those, those languages. Um, what other things do you do to immerse yourselves, maybe your spouse or your children in to those two languages? Well, first of all, you, you don't just put the videos on, right? So we had a lot of the listening sessions and counts that are very well known and, and fairy tales that are very well known in the French tradition. We, we listen to those and discuss those with our, with our child. So we actually integrated those events into our, our discussions and we learned the words mm -hmm. and then we thought of, uh, oh, how do you say that in this and that language? How do you say that in mama's language? How do you say? So, um, so that's one thing. It's not just the surround. You have to, we thought sure. we have to actively engage with that. And the other thing was, is that very quickly, uh, we understood that it's mama's, dad's, and Lisa's language. And our child also understood that there are other people associated with us, which is our family members, right? So um, they always heard, both, both of them, they always heard me speak to my mom and my mom being on the phone with me. Now it's different. Uh, you can see people on Zoom, but back um, earlier in the, in the early 2000s, when we didn't yet have the video associated with the phone calls, we have to make sure that we have a loudspeaker and we put our relatives on loudspeakers so that uh, our children could hear. Did you have any community support, like a, any sort of community school in French or Hungarian, anything like that? We did not. It's an excellent question. If you live in an area where you can have that, that's fantastic. We live in a rural area in the, in the mid, mid, Midwest, and um, we did not have those school structures, but we had a lot of friends. And when the friends came over, the conversations were always in the appropriate language, right? So mama's friends with on mama's language and, and dad's friends in speaking French in dad's language. So what about um, going to Europe on like long trips or short trips? Were you able to do that? Did that help? How was that? Yes, I always tell my two sons that our trips to Europe, to both countries, that's a price of another house <laughs> that we could have bought. Every single year we could, and most years in 16 years, we went back to Europe. It was a sacrifice. We, we really did have to save up the money because we went back to both countries. Sometimes my husband did not come to Hungary because he works for the industry and he doesn't have the long summer vacations. 
Mm. And mine were always not just vacations. I also had research and, and whatnot. <laughs> but I had babysitters, right? <laughs> both places. So every single time we could, we went back to both countries for as long as we could. Multiple weeks. So this may be a, a weird question, but I'm interested, especially in trilingualism, because it's my case too. Did you find that when you went to Hungary by yourself without your spouse, your children were more exposed to Hungarian because there was no French. Like they didn't spoke, they didn't speak to you in French, so it probably was easier. Sure, that was the goal, <laughs> and that was the goal because um, and we agreed on that early on with my husband. So that's the one thing you have to work out with your spouse is that have enough trust that when you are not with him or he can or her and cannot hear what the conversation was about. Uh, there would be mutual trust that whenever a translation is needed, translation will come. So we're not hiding anything. Right. So that was the case also with the, with the trip. Um, I was in French mode in France and Hungarian mode in Hungary. And my husband doesn't speak. He can understand words, keywords, but, but he could follow more or less. And sometimes he turned towards me and said, can you explain what's going on? And so I just made a quick summary but the children, on the other hand, engaged actively. So when you when you guys were in, in France, you spoke French to your children too? All the time. Yeah. All the time in French. So you gave up the Hungarian and you switched yeah. to French. So you spoke to the two of the two of them yeah. in French yeah. and Hungarian, depending on the context. Well, it was weird because I <laughs> I usually speak Hungarian to them. So I guess I gave short instructions in Hungarian when the others were not around. But but when we were surrounded with family, I always spoke French and and also with them. So they quickly understood that I speak all three <laughs> and they can speak with me like that. But we, we also had the one-on-one -on -one mode, right? So whenever um, we were just discussing something real quickly that others were not necessarily invited to, not just invited, but didn't need to know uh, our, our own language, so to speak, was, was still there. So, but it's, it's easy to negotiate. Once you have the fluency in the two languages, it comes naturally because the child will realize who he or she needs to include, yeah. right, in the conversation. And when I was the only one, the switch to Hungarian was automatic. Mm -hmm. How long were you in the two countries for? Anywhere, I don't know, anywhere between two to four weeks. Okay. And then we had visitors. We had the grandmas and grandpas coming for two to three weeks. Can you describe um, your each of your children's current proficiency levels in each of their languages, how it's worked yeah. out? So uh, I think I left it at age three or so with yeah. my older son. And we realized that he was a fantastic language learner. So there are individual variations too, I think, among the children. But, I, but what mattered most is who was first born and who was second born, I think. Again, I only have one of each, so I will never know. But um, the reason why I'm saying this, because as soon as the second was born, Lo and behold, the first one, firstborn, starts speaking English to the second one. That's so interesting. And he completely changed the dynamic of the, of the entire household. 
So now what? Uh, why? Because it was very simple. And I asked him once, why are you speaking? Well, you have your language. Papa has his language and I have my language. This is the language that I speak the best. What do you say? <laughs> I, I didn't expect that, but it, it was very logical. But that meant that for our native languages, we had another competitor, right? Mm -hmm. For the floor and for the attention of our second born. So his proficiency is lesser in French and, and Hungarian than our firstborn, who's, who's more fluent, um, after about a week, he can speak uh, both our native languages without much foreign accent mm -hmm. in our countries as well. And, and it's the same situation. Every time I pick up the phone, I start in Hungarian because he starts in Hungarian. And for the everyday things, he is just as fluent as he's ever been. Sometimes when we don't speak for a while, he tells me mom in Hungarian because I don't want to forget. So he's conscious about it. Mm -hmm. And then, um, so that, that is his proficiency level. The little one was, the second one was more of a, a challenge because uh, at, at the time he had to go to kindergarten, he was not speaking English well enough. And this is a delay that happens sometimes in multilingual families. We saw it. So I had a choice. What are we going to do? So I switched to English with him, which boosted his proficiency in English immediately, immediately and enough for him to start his schooling, you know, learning the alphabet, being more dominant in English. And then little by little, <laughs> I reintroduced Hungarian for the everyday thing. So he does not answer in Hungarian. Unlike the firstborn, the secondborn doesn't answer in Hungarian, not in the United States, but he can understand it and he can intervene in English in a conversation with others so we know he can understand it. And I left it at that because I cannot know exactly what his needs are in terms of dominance, where he needs to be stronger and when. But I know that every time we go back to Hungary, to Hungary, his Hungarian gets better after a week and he starts using it. So I know it's there mm -hmm. and it could come back if it has to. But let's just say that the needs, his communicative needs were different and, and the floor that he could use was the settings were very different from the first one. What about their French? Oh, so French was um, a bit more, a bit different from Hungarian because uh, I speak it too, so they were more surrounded by the language. And then we had, um, we could have done it in Hungarian, but we haven't thought of it. We started uh, Colonie de Vacances, so these are the summer, um, what do you call this, summer stays, um, summer, one camps, or two weeks. Yeah. summer camps, that's right, so of course summer camps in France that we started early um, and that those helped a lot. Of course, some undesirable words is what you don't want them <laughs> to learn, but, but uh, fluency, oh, that was incredible. So um, 
We started at around 11 and that helped French tremendously. So yes, the French is more secure. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea to be around their peers. Yeah. Um, can they read and write in all three languages? Um, the older one, yes. Um, he started learning Hungarian from cereal boxes when he was how to read Hungarian when he was six. And Hungarian cereal. <laughs> that's right. They are in Hungarian. <laughs> and the street names. Um, so it was really cute when he started um, writing them for the first time. And of course, I was like, oh, of course, he knew I was going to be very happy to see that. Um, and then he went to learn French formally for a month and a half in Alliance Française in, in Paris when he turned 18. So he has a certificate of proficiency because he wanted to have it when he's also a French citizen through his father. So he wanted to have something formal. And um, uh, the second one's learning French in high school formally to learn to read, read and write. And I don't know about uh, Hungar literacy in Hungarian for the second one, but again, this is something that, that is possible. It has not happened yet, but it's one of those possibilities that you can work on if you're multilingual and if you have some degree of proficiency. Right. So would you say that at some point you struggle with what we've heard pretty much from everybody, your children did not want to speak Hungarian or French to you guys. They were going maybe through the teenager years. How do you handle that? How do you do that in a multilingual family? Well, it, it depends on um, it depends on what your attitude is. I uh, I never crack down on anyone for not speaking a, a given language because I think it's their it's their right to pick whichever they want to. But every single time um, one could speak French or Hungarian and doesn't, they point out how important it is to practice it. The benefit, use it. It's it's beneficial for you. Just with the second one not long ago at dinner. Why don't you use your French? Everything is in French. We speak French to you. Use your French. We know you understand it. Use it. So it's more of a persuasion thing than um, than than uh, mandating it. But I did hear other parents saying we speak French in this household, <laughs> and. Um, I don't know if the children tried or not, <laughs> more or less, but um, personally, I don't think it works. It has to be, it has to come from the, from the child and you just have to make sure you put that child in all the different kinds of settings that literally forces them to, <laughs> to use the language because mandating it, like de declaring that it's, it's when did that work? So do it early when they're little. They can't escape learning it. <laughs> and basically, and then just keep it up. Right. I was just thinking your family practices or like your your house might be like mine. It's a little bit messy. Everybody's speaking one language, maybe just answering back in another. And I was just interested in uh, like this whole idea that your children are now grown ups and maybe they're dating. They, they have girlfriends or whatever or boyfriends who knows and then you know they're at that point in their lives where they might bring them over 
And then how does that play into the whole dynamics? You bring someone in, you're so used to, you know, like speaking all these different languages. What do your children do? They ask you to switch languages. Um, how does this work? <laughs> it's so complicated. I, when my older son's girlfriend, we asked the question up front. Um, this is a multilingual family. Is it okay? You are going to, do you feel uncomfortable? From time to time, I'm just going to switch to my son, your boyfriend, and address him in this language. Is that, is that okay? And sure enough, she said, sure, go ahead. He'll let me know if there's anything I need to hear. Excellent answer. So <laughs> that's, what, um, that's what we do. It's easier than you think. What would be your biggest tips for someone just starting on this process as both of us are? Uh, talk to your spouse and the families. The first step is negotiate, is to figure out if this is doable. Because the, the, you know, the only person wanting to do being you, that might not work. But if you can enlist help, you can figure out how you can consistently and frequently speak your language to, to your child and have enough people in your community to help, go for it. It is your language, you use it. And I think we have to be respectful to the child as well, because the child's circumstances are different from ours and ideologies and peers and all that. So patience, that is my biggest tip, patience. Once you set it up and you think you can do it, do it. Just keep patient, being patient and leave it to time. Um, I bet that child will benefit from it for sure. So let's try to finish with a positive note. Can you tell us about a funny code switch or an invented word that, that you kids might have come up with together or individually that you found really, really funny or interesting? Oh, yes. The, the famous, the famous uh, four, four or five seconds. Uh, of me being speechless. Uh, one day, our firstborn son was still very little, I would say five, maybe. And I pick up a cereal bar in the shop. He was shopping with me and I keep staring at it. <laughs> like long time. And I turn towards him and breathe in and try to say something and nothing comes out. And my son asks me, what? What, what, what is it? And I and I say in English, I have no idea how to say cereal bar in Hungarian. <laughs> and he looks at me and we look at each other and we imagine, we, we just, somebody, somebody came up with the idea of inventing one word because we had to invent one. So this is how we invented our very own, uh, it, it's, a, it's a kalk, right? It's, a, it's a, load, a translation of the word exactly to Hungarian. So now, every time we use the word, we remember this episode in the shop when I was speechless for multiple seconds in front of a cereal bar. And I'm sure there are many instances like that. Um, translations that didn't happen or English that got mixed into our speech. But then we thought about it and discussed it. And, and this is amazing, right? Because it's part of language learning. It's Wow, this was so great. Thank you so much because uh, I think nobody has talked about negotiation as much as you have. From the parents' side to the children's side, they get to negotiate what they want to speak and why and what context. And that 
that's I don't know what Lauren thinks, but that was very, very interesting to me, especially because um we have different scenarios for us, like different situations. And for me, trilingualism has been hard to navigate, being raised monolingual. But my 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 husband's side of the family is bilingual. So it's like very, very different how we approach everything and the rules we want to follow. But you're right, if you're on the same page with the two families, it really helps. But I never thought about giving my children as much say in, in, in it. <laughs> I wanted to be more like very, no, 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 this is how we're going to do it. But I, I think it's interesting how you approach that and definitely have learned a lot from you. I Oh, thank you. <laughs> I mean, um, just I maybe another tip is remember that you are in control of how you speak. And that has to be the driving force. And then just keep telling the child. See, I am using this language. I am trying to transmit it to you. Do consider answering. It's to your benefit. So you can be persuasive, but you but forcing and mandating, I don't know. Thank you for doing this series. I think it's very exciting. Um, not many people talk about these everyday yeah. uh, arrangements, multilingual arrangements, but they're very, very frequent. It's really interesting to see that the commonalities that are emerging, that one week thing that you mentioned, literally every person that we've interviewed has said the same thing. One week in the home country and it's all it's all perfect. It all comes back. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm in the process of that right now. And I was just texting Lauren today. We've been back in Europe for a week. We're in Spain right now. And um, we were super lucky to things that are very particular to the Spanish I speak in the South, like picking up on all the like jargon and like the pronunciation and things. And I'm just like, he's four. And I'm just like, whoa, like he completely understand. He was yelling out the window today, talking to my neighbor. Like he's calling people by name. And I'm like, you are four. And you already pick <laughs> like how you can, you can, you can do that. Like you're free to do that, but you've never done that in the U.S. But here you see people talking to each other. Like it's insane. It's insane. It's just, everything kicks in cultural differences language yeah. is is amazing and i think it's a gift and i wish i had the chance to do that that's why i'm doing this for my children oh yeah oh yeah and let them hear it you know they they know they're practicing it but if you point it out they will know it as well consciously as to what they are doing and that's even more helpful um with their peers oh funny anecdote when my older son started college, I get a phone call one day, afternoon. Mom, hi, I'm calling you because my friends don't believe that I can speak fluently with you uh, all three languages. Uh, is it okay if I put you on a speakerphone and we go from one language to the other? I almost swallowed the phone, I can assure you. And then he started in English, then we've switched to French, and then we switched to Hungarian and then back to English. And he asked me, mom, is it true that in Hungarian, I discussed this and this with you? Yes, it's true. Is it true that in French I discussed this? Yes, okay. So settled, bet settled. He, he actually had a bet with, with his friend, which he won. So I'm really <laughs> proud of everything he's accomplished and you have accomplished as a family. Well, thank you so much for your time. We know you're really busy. And believe me, this is a gift for everybody who can listen yeah, to this. Thank you so much. That was wonderful. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Awesome. Keep up the good work. And all the best to all the bilingual and multilingual mamas. <laughs>
Well, thank you so much for being with us today. We'll see you next time. Hasta luego. for us or questions about the podcast make sure to go to home and our website at www.multilingualmamaspodcast.com and click on the link for questions make sure to follow us on facebook and instagram and stay tuned for another episode of multilingual mamas <laughs>